Alright, hello, I want to welcome you to what is the first, hopefully, of many editions of my podcast, Christian Tactician. I'll take just a moment to tell you kind of what my thoughts are. This is my first endeavor uh, delving into the world of podcasting, and uh, I understand that this is a really good way for us to communicate. I'll be honest with you, I'm not incredibly comfortable with it. You'd think for a guy who spends a lot of time by himself talking to himself that sitting in front of a computer and talking to himself would be somewhat uh, normal or something I'm comfortable with, and yet I am not. But I'm uh, going to try to press forward here. I have a lot of ideas and thoughts, and I hope that in um, putting forth uh, this effort here that, that any of you who choose to tune in, to listen to it, you find some way to, to find some strength and some encouragement. You know, my my podcast here is primarily going to be focused towards men, not that I have anything against women, and not that I don't feel like at some point I'll have something that will be of use to them, but uh, kind of in, in light of society today and in light of a lot of the things we're seeing going on, I really wanted to uh, focus on some of these things of manhood. And you can see in just the title of this, my, my first podcast uh, that I've titled it The Burden of Manhood. And I want to uh, I want to talk about that. I want to uh, to give a little bit of my thoughts concerning this because this is something that I feel like is um, important. It's something that uh, for me is very close to my heart. You know, I have three sons. I have uh, a whole lot of young men within the church who are close to me, who I've tried to be a, a mentor and encouragement to. And uh, I look at everything that's happening in our world and uh, you know, things like toxic masculinity that you hear spoken of and um, a lot of these things in this feminist movement. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not a guy in the least bit who thinks that women should not have rights or anything like that. And I feel like a lot of times if you speak against a feminist anything that you're considered to be a chauvinist or you're explaining, you know, you're uh, showing that uh, toxic masculinity. Uh, I don't buy that garbage. There's something that is good and something that is right about being a man. And uh, and so I want to talk about that today, the burden of manhood. And, and really, I want to start with a question here, and is that, is being a man a burden? You know, is the fact that I believe that God chose each one of us, and before He uh, placed us with wisdom where He placed us, He chose what we were going to be. He chose that I was going to be a man. He chose... Uh, that my father was going to be who he was. He made all these decisions, and he did it for a reason. And so, you know, if I believe in a God who does things with purpose, then I really can't think that what he has purposed me to do or to be is a burden. And, and rather, I'll answer my question right now before I even get into the bulk of this podcast. Is manhood a burden? And my answer is no. I don't think it is a burden. I think it's a privilege. I think it's, in some ways, a calling and something that I want us to to uh, look at, you know, it can be uh, a baseball bat, manhood, if we choose to beat people with it. Uh, it can be uh, evidenced in a lot of different ways, a, a dictator, a coward, you know, abusive, all those things. Manhood can be all those things, but Christian manhood, Christ-like manhood, is something that you're called to, and it's a privilege you're invited to. And I, I want to hopefully over... However long I do this and however successful it is, I, I hope that we can explore those things and and uh, maybe in some way have some back and forth on it. But all right, 
in my typical manner I can kind of wander but I want to try to keep going and so I want to start with this with this uh, statement just for you to think about and that's it's this is not what society thinks today but I want you to understand this just because you have a penis does not make you a man okay what it makes you is male but being a man means far more than just having the proper appendages, the proper hormones, the proper chromosome. Uh, that makes you male, right? But, but being a man, uh, manhood, the way that I view it is, is it means taking up responsibility. It means making choices to, to, to do certain things and to have a certain attitude and to uh, seek to follow God in certain ways. And the reality is, is uh, we we oftentimes would consider manhood to be something that you become, you know, when uh, when you become a man. Was it when you get married? Is it when you can drive? All that sort of stuff. I, I think manhood is one of those things that you choose, and you can choose even to tr to start being a man very young by taking up responsibility, and, and and it grows. That manhood grows as you take on more and more responsibility. You know, I'm in my uh, trying to encourage my sons to be men. You know, my oldest son, Easton, 11 years old, and I've tried hard to encourage him with responsibility. And, and one thing now, and I noticed it this last time, you know, I was out of town for about 10 days. Before I left, I talked to him and I said, Listen, son, while I'm gone, you have to be the man here. And what does that mean? I said, you know, you're still responsible to mom. But what I want you to do is I want you to look for the things that need to be done, the things that I do. I want you to look before somebody else asks. Be willing to serve, to serve mom, to help her with uh, doing the dishes, taking out the trash, to, to be willing to set the example for your younger brothers and sisters. You know, if something needs to be done, you do it. You look for those things that are beneficial to others. Be looking ahead. And so... Uh, I was gone, and as I was calling or FaceTiming every night, you know, and he's telling me about the things that he's doing, and my wife is saying, oh, Easton really took that to heart. I mean, he is he is taking responsibility. He is looking to do things. And, you know, I'd talk to Easton. i just encourage him, you know, thank you so much for being willing to take up this manhood while I've been gone. And I watched as just encouraging him to take that responsibility, watching him grab little bits, I mean, Clearly, he's not providing for our family or anything like that. But, you know, I mean, if he, if he prepared a meal or something, he is. Taking care of things that I would typically do that, that my wife wouldn't. Um, you know, he's, he's really taken uh, part in providing. And as I talked to him about it, I watched him. And I watched his face as I praised him for those things and as I encouraged him. And I watched as my son began to understand what it means to take up responsibility. And the the... The burden that it sometimes is, a burden in that, you know, you feel a weight of that responsibility, but in the, the joy and the blessing that comes when you accomplish it. And that's what I want us to think about. Uh, being a man is taking up responsibility. And so the reality is, is that our world is, is filled with males who have the proper equipment, they have the proper chromosomes, they have the proper hormones, all of those things. You know, they can grow a beard. They can lift a lot of weight. They can do all those things. And they're not men, okay, because they've never chosen to take responsibility on them. Being male is determined by God. You had no choice in the matter. He assigned it to you with the knowledge that you could be successful in that assignment. You could be successful if you chose to be. 
And so I, I want you to think about that as you listen to this. You know, God purposed you to be where you are for a specific reason. And at this moment, you may not be married. You may not have a job. You may still be in school. You may, you know, be living in your parents' basement, whatever it is. But I want you to understand that if you, if you were born a male, God chose you to be a man. He assigned it to you. And he knew that if you would be willing to take up the responsibility, you could be successful. And what does that mean? Does that mean you're going to father 10 kids and, and you're going to be a successful entrepreneur? And all this? You know, I, I don't necessarily believe that. Being a man means that you're looking for the welfare of others. You're looking to encourage others. You're building up and not breaking down. You're sensitive to the needs of others. You're willing to provide, looking for those things. You're willing to be self-disciplined. You're willing to... Put yourself on the back burner. You know, Christ it was the ultimate example of a man, right? He, he, he had all the power and ability, and, and yet he chose to serve others. And, and I don't want to get too far in that because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring that in at the close of this podcast. So, you know, if being a man was something that just happened, then we wouldn't find places in Scripture that specifically called males into manhood. You know, there's several places in Scripture where where these, these men of God, they're speaking to their sons, or they're speaking to uh, members of the church, or, 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 or men within the church, males within the church, or to tribes of Israel, and they're calling them. Okay, So one of the first ones I want to look at, I want to look at in 2 Nephi chapter 1, and it's in verse uh, 36 to 39. So this is Lehi, right? Prophet of God, uh, man of God, and he was spoken to by God and, and, and said, you know, I'm going to destroy Jerusalem and I want you, you're going to take your family and you're going to go. And so Lehi takes his, his sons and, uh, and you know, he goes and he, and he heads out and he, he's following the Lord's commandments. And, you know, here in this second Nephi chapter one, Lehi is addressing his sons. And, and so it's important to, to recognize if you read all up to this, you'd realize that his sons, okay, they were married and they were fathers. Okay. But Lehi says to his sons, married and their fathers, I, I would assume that we're probably not talking about teenage fathers here. I would assume we're probably talking about what we would consider to be full-grown men, you know, 20s, maybe 30s. And Lehi says to him, Arise from the dust, my sons, and be men. Be determined in one mind and in one heart united in all things, that you may not come down into captivity, that you may not be cursed with a sore cursing, Awake, my sons, and put on the armor of righteousness. Shake off the chains with which you are bound and come forth out of obscurity and arise from the dust. You know, there's several things that Lehi is telling his sons. He says, arise from the dust. He says, come up from something that just lays on the ground and is, and is stomped all over and trodden all over. You know, society today, in, in, in all of the different ways that we're trying to be more inclusive and more sensitive about all sorts of different people and lifestyles and all that. And I'm not saying we should be beating anybody down. Don't get me wrong. But one of the results of it is this push to make men not be manly. As if it's a bad thing to take up responsibility to open a door for a woman. Have you ever had that happen where you go to open a door for a lady, perhaps a stranger, and they get upset at you? I've, I've had it happen to me. And, and society wants to take away my, not only my right, but they want me to not even think of, of looking at someone as maybe being, uh, being, I don't want to say the word lesser, but of someone who is worthy of me honoring them, even in just opening a door. Arise from the dust. Society wants us to be dust. Something that is pushed around, something that is stomped on. 
Lehi tells his sons, do not be dust. Be men instead. And he, and, he, and he makes a statement. Be determined in one mind. You know, be determined in one mind. And so there's several different ways I think about that. I think about that in that, you know, what do we need to be determined in one mind? He's talking about unity. And there's several things that we need to be unified in. First and foremost, we need to be unified in our following of Jesus Christ, in His words and in the 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 um, adhering to His commandments and, and, and looking with His vision, right? What is His vision for us? It has far less to do with you becoming a millionaire and you driving a big vehicle and all that sort of stuff, but it has everything to do with seeing that that we have an eternal soul and that as men, okay, especially when, when we become husbands, fathers and all that, we have an eternal soul, but we've also been given this responsibility, right? God chose to give us this responsibility that we would have some care over and some responsibility over the eternal souls of others. Certainly can't make choices for them. I have all these, I have my four children, you know, I can't make choices for them, but I have this responsibility to be united with God and that the things that I teach them and the things that I exemplify in my life are things that they're going to look at and they're going to say, that is the way to walk in righteousness and in happiness and to enjoy the blessings of God. So he says, be, be determined in one mind. And in one heart united in all things. And you know, for one of these things that I think is important to look at here is, is that you're talking about a family, a group of people, however big it was, and their survival depended on each other. And so when they were uh, uh, struggling with each other, when they had disunity, okay, they failed in their course. You read the Book of Mormon and you see that you know the Lord provided ways and means so that they could get where he was going. And when, and when Lehi's sons uh, started battling against each other. The Lamanites were, you know, the Lamanites, they weren't Lamanites then. Eventually they were. Eventually they, they went separate ways. But when Nephi and, and Laman and Lemuel, you know, when they weren't getting along, their entire progress stopped. And so Lehi's telling them, you need to be determined in one mind and in one heart united in all things with God and with those who are around us. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably someone who is a part of the church or you are you are associated with it. And, you know, we have this responsibility to try to be together in the things that we do. And we can't be together. We can't be united if we're beating on each other. And, and as men, this is something that takes discipline, right? Because I came from a background of being a police officer and all these things, type A personalities, right? I mean, every one of us wants to let everybody know how much chest hair we have and how good we are at things and all that sort of stuff and it's real easy to get a group of guys and you know a police officer I was on the SWAT team there you go now now you get even more of a bunch of uh, type A men personalities wanting to beat on each other and all that showing dominance and all those things and you know we we were never successful as a team when we weren't united in how we did things we were never successful as a SWAT team in in whatever operation it was that we were doing when we didn't have a common goal, we didn't come to some agreements about how we were going to accomplish it, and everybody played their part appropriately. So Lehi is telling his sons, be determined in one mind and in one heart united in all things, that you may not come down into captivity. Right? Eventually there was going to be some captivity that would happen. We're really talking about the captivity that comes when you are not following the Word of God. Um, you know, so let's just think about this. Have you ever been there in your life where you've been making mistakes, you've had difficulties because of bad decisions that you made because you were following what this, what your human mind wanted, which wasn't the Word of God, and you felt captive by your sins? It's like, I can't get away from the things that I've done. Man, I've been there. I've been there. 
And, and, and this is one of those things that we need to be aware of, that men, because of the desires that we have, which are the desires of the flesh, which are the encouragements of Satan, we can become captive, absolutely chained. And, and the scriptures talk about that. The Lord called us to arise from the dust and be men, to not give in to the captivity of the devil. And it says that you might not be cursed with a sore cursing. He says, awake and put on the armor of righteousness. Shake off those chains that would, that would bind you. You know, captivity. Come out out of obscurity. Obscurity is something that can't be seen. Something's obscure, you can't see it clearly. And yet a man should be clearly seen. Seen in his actions, not by what he says. You know, enough of these men or these supposed men who want to tell everybody about all their accomplishments and all that sort of stuff. The mark of a man is seen. It's seen when a man does what he's supposed to and follows the Lord. You see it. He may never have to say a word. Think of, of if you've seen those guys, those men in your life. And did they ever have to announce the things that they were doing, the good examples they were being, the successes they had? No. No, you can come out of obscurity by following the Lord, by standing up, taking the responsibility, the privilege of being a man. You know, it talks here, it says that you don't be cursed with a sore cursing. You know, there is a sore cursing. There is a bad pattern of things that happens when you don't rise up into manhood. You know, what does that look like in today's world? We have weak families. Weak families for many reasons. We have weak families because men don't want to be men. They roll over. They don't, they don't uh, set a pattern, a godly pattern of how we lead families, of how you lead your children, of how you strengthen and encourage your families, of how you treat your wives. You have a high rate of divorce, right? Not willing to step up to a challenge. You know, as men, we should, we should desire to be challenged. And, and I think one thing that, that we struggle with is we want to choose our challenges. I want to choose uh, what, I want to be, what I want to be challenged with. You know, right now in my life, I, I, I've been challenged with, with the loss of a job. You know, I was falsely accused of something. And, and, and this... this <laughs> This thing happened that it, it, it so very quickly morphed into something that I, I could not get my hands around. And I, and I didn't get to choose this challenge, right? But it was mine. And I had a choice. I had a choice as a man. You know, and I thought about this. You know, what choices did I have? I had a lot of choices I could do. I could just walk away. I could fight. I could uh, go get an attorney, scream and yell. Uh, I could, you know, I mean, I, I, I could have done any, any things that I wanted to. Uh, but in the end, you know, the Lord called me to take up responsibility, to take up challenges as a man and not run from it, not do it, but to handle it in his way. Um, kind of diverted from where I was going there. Uh, sore cursing from not being a man, you know, in today's world. High rate of divorce. My, my marriage becomes so much of a challenge, I just don't want to do it anymore. Single mothers, because you have men who, who don't want to rise up and be men. They don't want to... Uh, rise up and maintain the responsibility. They're more than willing to have a couple minutes worth of fun and have sex with some woman. You don't want to take any more responsibility, right? They're just they're just uh, males. They're just boys wanting to act like men, or they're just looking for to make themselves happy. Men with multiple children, with multiple women. Yeah, we have high rates of incarceration. You know, one of those things as a police officer, I look and I see you know all these men who are being arrested and all that. You know, wh what's a good portion of it? Well, it's because they don't want to take responsibility. I don't want to get a real job. 
I won't have to get up in the morning and go and work and sweat and all that sort of stuff. I'll take the, the faster road. I'll take the, 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 the way that doesn't take as much work. And that's not taking responsibility of a man. And as a result, we see high rates of incarceration, dependent on institutions or organizations for basic living, sexual predation, right? Men who, who or males who just want to, uh, want to get what they want and they don't want to uh, to hear no or anything like that they're on a power trip they're on you know they they all of these things that that that's uh, not it's not manhood sexual identity crisis right these are all these things that are going on right now and it's a sore cursing it's a sore cursing that's exactly what Lehi was talking about with his sons don't be cursed with a sore cursing first Corinthians 16 and 13 it says watch ye Stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Be strong. Paul's talking to the Corinthians. And, and what is he talking to the Corinthians about? If you look back and you see what he was writing this letter to this group of people in Corinth. okay, They had these things that they were doing. They were, they were having arguments with each other. They were, they were questioning about serving idols and things like that. They had men who were taking the wives of other men. So Paul was talking to the church, and he was addressing many things. But he says here, he says, Watch ye, pay attention. Look and see what's going on. We, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't walk around this world. You ever seen people who walk around with their head down all the time? You ever seen those people, they walk around with their head down, or they're looking in their phone or something like that? They are never seeing what's going on around them. Everything becomes a surprise to them. It's not what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to have our head up, be looking around, be looking forward. It says, stand fast in the faith. There's a, uh, there's a movie, and, and in this movie, you know, it's, it has to do with, uh, it's probably, you know, the 1700s. And it's these, uh, these big, um, these big battleships, you know, uh, huge battleships, and they're going against each other, and they're getting ready to go into this battle. And of course, if you know what these, what these old battleships would do, you know, they'd, they'd be sailing at each other, and, and they'd be exchanging cannon fire. But at some point, they were going to have to get close, and they were going to have to board the other ship. And as they're getting ready to board this other ship, they show this scene where this man, you know, is, is looking at this young boy. Who, who was on this, this ship, you know, and they were getting ready to, to go across and fight. And, of course, even the young men, um, you know, it was kind of the way you would send your son from a very young age off to be on these, these merchant ships or on these, um, on these mercenary ships or whatever it is, you know, with, like, the British Navy and all that. It was, it was kind of them becoming officers, right? But they would start at a very young age. Anyway, so here you got this young boy, I don't know, maybe 10, maybe 12. They're getting ready to board this other ship, and they're going to fight hand-to-hand combat. You know, this old man puts his hands together. In fists and on and on his hands, you know, on his fingers, a tattoo says to hold fast, right? Hold fast. It means that you you are going to stay strong in what it is that you are doing. You're not going to let fear or anything like that cause you to run to walk away. And, and, and Paul's saying this. He says, "Watch you. Keep your head up. Look around. See what's going on, right? In your life and the lives of others. Stand fast in the faith. Don't be pushed back." Don't be afraid to stand up and walk as the Lord called you to walk because there is blessing in it. There is strength to be had in it. And it says, quit you like men and be strong. You know that phrase, quit you like men, that Greek word? There's one Greek word that was translated quit you like men. And you know what that Greek word means? To act manly. To act manly. Quit you like men. Think about what that quintessential man is in your mind. And what was it? 
It's that man who is willing to fight against what seems to be impossible odds uh, if he had no choice but to do it. It was that man who's willing to be self-sacrificing, that man who was constantly looking out for other people. That's, that's what it means to be manly. Act manly. Quit you like men. 1 Corinthians, same book, same letter, right? 14 and 20. Chapter 14, verse 20. Brethren, be not children in understanding. Howbeit in malice be ye children. But in understanding, be men. In the way that you understand things, be men. You know what that means to me? That means when you look at something, when someone's speaking to you, when there's a challenge, when there's a trouble in your life, when there's something that all you want to do is run away from, I don't want to deal with this, I don't want to talk to my wife about this, I, you know, I don't want this challenge to be in front of me, whatever it is, when everything in you makes you want to act like a, like, like a child or like what would be easiest for you, that you stop, that you consider... How am I supposed to handle this in that manner that is, that is taking up the privilege of responsibility? In understanding, be men. Look at things in a manly way. Look at things as Christ looked at it. You know, Christ didn't back down from anything, but he also didn't, didn't swing a fist. All right? There were times when he was firm. There was times when he was softer in his approach. There was times where you know you see that he went into the temple and, and, and he was and he was frustrated. He you know he took a whip and started beating people out of there, right? There was a time for that. It was appropriate at a time, but so often, how did he actually respond to people? It was in calmness. It was in patience. It was looking and recognizing their weakness. In understanding, be men. Be not children. In understanding, First Corinthians thirteen eleven. Right? We know in this 13th chapter, it spends all this time talking about love. And at the end of it, at the end of this dissertation on love, where he talks about all these things that we should have, this charity, he says in verse 11, When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. We can think of all of these things that become childish things. And I'm not going to say that if you enjoy going out and playing paintball or you like to do video games or things like that, that, you, that you're a child, okay? But one of these things that, that I see with my children is, is it's because of how old they are and it's because of, of all these desires that, that, that are within them is that, you know, they have this pursuit of their own self. They're pursuing their own self. What makes them happy? What makes them uh, uh, feel satisfied? What they want to do? You know, looking for others is not what's first and foremost in their mind. Looking, looking out for the welfare or for, or for the needs or for the desires or something like that of their brother or of their sister, that's not what they're thinking, right? First and foremost, I'm looking for what I want. I want another piece of pizza, even though it's the last one. I want to, to, to go here and buy this thing, even though, you know, and not let anybody else come. I want, I want, I want. You know, when I was a child, I understood as a child. I spake like a child. I, I said things like a child would. I presented myself as someone who didn't understand anything but him, but his own self. It says, when I became a man, I put away childish things. Right? I stopped looking at my own self. I stopped looking at what I wanted. I stopped looking at myself as being the most important. I started looking outward. Right? Because that responsibility that God gave me was not just for myself. And herein lies the privilege. What an honor to be given responsibility, to be able to be a, a, an integral part in somebody else's life. What a privilege. What a privilege I have to have a wife who, who she looks to me for encouragement and strength and direction, and she looks to me for wisdom. There's something that, that makes you feel amazing. 
when people recognize you as, as someone who is, uh, who, who is worthy of being looked to, who is respected, you know, there's something that makes you feel good about that because you've, you've proven to, to them, to society, to the Lord in a whole lot of ways. I'm willing to take up this responsibility. You know, this letter in 1 Corinthians, it has several statements throughout it. We've read three of them that encourages believers to act like believers or, you know, kind of like what we see here, you know, be men. Paul says, step up and be men. What were some of the things that were going on? I, I mentioned it earlier. There was fornication. There was disunity. They were fighting with each other. They had arguments about taking the sacrament. There was issues with marriage and divorce, taking somebody else's wife. There was idol worship, all of these things. And Paul says, look at all of these things, and, and for Pete's sake, be a man. You shouldn't be struggling with these things. These are things that we, brothers, should not be struggling with. And so as I say that, I don't want you to be like, oh man, well, I am struggling with it. Well, I just suck. No. No. No, that's when we go to these other men around us. When we go to these other men who want to encourage and strengthen us. See, because that's another part of being a man and taking up responsibility. So I'm not just looking out for those who are around me who may be in a, a weaker position than I or something like that. You know, my wife, my children. I don't know. I look to those men around me as well. I'll be honest with you, my life would be uh, an absolute wreck, a mess, if it wasn't for men around me who came and they called me up. And there's been times where some of these men in my life came to me and they said, quit you like men. Be a man. Act manly. Look at this the right way. And uh, I had to consider these things that I was struggling with. Alma. Book of Alma. Chapter 21, verse 41, right? This is this... You know, just a little background here, right? There's there's a battle. There is a war coming to the believers in, in Christ. There was a war coming, and they wanted to destroy everything. They didn't. They you know they were they wanted to come through, and they wanted to annihilate the Nephites. And so this man named Moroni, he saw this, and he was moved. And it says Alma twenty one forty one, and it came to pass that he rent his coat, he tore off his jacket, he tore off his shirt. I mean, imagine this. Can you think of something that's more manly? He's like, you're coming to me? You're coming to fight us? That's it. Rips off his shirt, tears it to pieces. Uh, I mean, you can imagine. And this sounds weird. Can you imagine like there's this muscle-bound warrior, right? And, and he's just so filled with, with passion about what it is that they're trying to do and how he is not going to let it happen. He rips off his shirt. He's muscle-bound and sweaty, probably hairy, terrifying righteous man. Anyway, I'm envisioning this in my mind, right? What it was this guy was doing, right? Moroni. He rent his coat. He took it and tore it. He says, it took a piece thereof and he wrote on it. In memory of our God, our religion, our freedom, and our peace, our wives, and our children. And he fastened it upon a pole thereof. He made a flag almost, right? He took, he ripped off his shirt, and he wrote these things on there. He says, this is what, they're coming to fight us, and we are not going to let it happen because of our God, because of our religion, our freedom, our peace, our wives, and our children. These are all the things that we are going to fight for. We will not let somebody take these things away from us. And I want you to understand, if you were listening to this podcast this is happening. It's happening in our society. Satan is directing it. Society is looking to do it if they can destroy our God. They can destroy our religion. If they can shame us, 
when we want to make stands for what is right. They want to shame us and try to take away our freedom. They want to make our lives to be to be full of strife and contention. Society wants to tell us that we shouldn't be men in our marriages. We shouldn't teach our children uh, how to be manly. We shouldn't we shouldn't treat our our wives uh, the way that Christ told us to as as a weaker vessel, not necessarily as someone who has an ability, but someone who is more tender, someone who has more feelings, all these things, you know, this is what society's telling us. And, and, and you know, the, the Lamanites were coming and they were going to destroy. And Moroni says, no way, not a chance. He ripped off his coat and he wrote on all these things. And it says in verse 50, so I've jumped a bunch of verses here. It says in verse 50, Alma 21:50, it says, It came to pass that when Moroni had proclaimed these words, behold, the people came running together with their armor girded about their loins, rending their garments in token or as a covenant that they would not forsake the Lord their God. You know, Moroni went and he began he began going through the towns. He began saying that there are Lamanites coming. This is what they want to destroy. We will not let it happen. If there is not a part of you that feels something welling up in you right now for a righteous battle, then I'm gonna then I'm gonna ask you if you have really taken up the responsibility of manhood. Because you know, the reality is is today, alright, are we gonna end up taking up swords or guns or things like that to fight all this? You know, probably not. But there is every bit of a war that has been, that is coming, and that's being waged right now. We have this responsibility to be willing to fight as men. First and foremost, it takes that we have to be dedicated within ourselves to take responsibility to fight as God wants us to. So what happened here? Moroni went through and everybody started, says people started coming running together and they, they were throwing on their armor, right? And it says they're rending their garments, they're ripping off their shirts, right? They're doing all that. And it's a covenant. They're saying, I, you know, we are going to do this. We are going to fight with. And what did they do? They went to battle. You know, taking this idea of men being willing to go to battle for the things that are of principal importance. Paul called men to be likewise willing to go to battle against those things that were causing dysfunction. That's what he was saying in Corinthians, right? Now Moroni here, he was saying, hey, you guys got to come. You guys have got to take your, your swords and your shields, your armor. You got to be ready, you know, because there are people who are coming to destroy everything that we hold dear. And Paul was saying the same thing. You have to be willing to go to battle, step up and be men against fornication and disunity, struggles in your marriages, arguments, idol worship, all of those things. Are we willing to, in the same way, rip off our shirts and, and as a token that we are going to, as men, fight against these things? As you listen to this, are you going to fight against fornication, against the desire to have inappropriate sexual activity, whether it's you as a single man with your girlfriend or by yourself, and masturbation and watching pornography and all that? Are you willing to fight that? Are you willing to fight when it comes to issues in your marriage? When you're not seeing things the right way with your wife and you're letting these 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 frivolous things cause wedges in between you and so that you've lost, you begin to lose your love one for, one for the other? Are you willing to fight that? To tear off your shirt as a token and, 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 and strap on your armor of righteousness and go to battle against the one who wants to destroy you? Are you willing to do that? Against disunity, disunity with your brothers, disunity between you and God. Are you following his commandments? Or are you willing to be cursed with a sore cursing? You know, these two men in scripture here, they're calling you to the same battle, but with different circumstances. Moroni, he's calling them because there is a fight, a literal fight coming, and they're going to take up their swords, and men died. They fought to the death. 
And the reality is, is that as Christian men, we fight until our death. Are you willing to do that? Paul was, was addressing other things. You know, these men in Corinth, they weren't willing to call out other men who were causing issues. They were weak in addressing problems, and they were not seeking to be peacemakers. They were letting, they were letting disunity and contention and frustrations and all those things begin to assail the church, and they weren't willing to stand up to it. And Paul says, quit you like men. In understanding, be men. And Moroni says, tear off your shirt and be willing to fight. 2 Samuel chapter 10, verse 12. Be of good courage, and let us play the men for our people and for the cities of our God, and the Lord do that which seemeth to him good. There was a battle which was coming. It was a two-pronged battle that was coming against Jerusalem. And this was one of David's generals, and he called up another general, and he says, we're going to have to split our army because we've got, we've got men coming from us, armies coming from us from one side and the other. And he says, you know, if I start getting beat, I'm going to call for you, and you need to come to help me. And if you start getting beat, you call for me, and, and I'm going to come and help you. But understand, okay, that there's a lot of people coming against us. There is a huge war coming against us, and it's on two fronts, and we're outnumbered. But he says, says, be of good courage. Let us play the men for our people. You know that phrase, play the men? It says to fasten upon. That's what, that's what the definition was, to fasten upon. Hence, to seize or be strong, to be obstinate. Obstinate is, is that you know you are not going to be moved. It says that you're going to uh, behave self-valiantly. So be of good courage and behave yourself valiantly. You fight to the death if necessary because we are fighting you know, they say we're doing it for the cities of our God. And then there's this there's this thing in here that, that I don't want us to forget. Okay? So here this general is telling this other general, listen, we have we're being outnumbered and we're being attacked from two different sides. And you know what? It does not look good. And he says, Be of courage. Let's play the men for our people, for the cities of our God. And then this last phrase he says, And the Lord will do that which seemeth him good. And what happened? These men were victorious. Our job is to play the men. And the scripture says the Lord's going to do what seems to him good. And I've never seen him forsake. I've never seen him leave alone. I've never seen him fail someone who has put their trust in him. It just doesn't happen. So let's go on and, and, and kind of draw this to a close. Hopefully you found yourself encouraged a little bit. I want to I wanna just ask a couple questions here. Looking back, beginning of the scripture, Adam and Eve. We know what happened. Adam, here he is, he's in the garden. The Lord provides all these things for him. God sees that he's lonely, makes a woman. You know, Satan, in the form of a serpent, comes, tempts Eve in her ignorance. She takes some of the forbidden fruit, whatever that is, an apple, at any rate, whatever it was. She took it, then she gave it to Adam, and Adam gave in. God comes, questions, we know what happened, right? And God says, you know, because you decided not to listen to me, there's all these things that are going to happen. One of the things he told Adam was, and you are going to have responsibility. You know, we only find recorded in Scripture where he talks to Adam about how you're going to have to till the ground and all this sort of stuff. But what we recognize was from the very beginning that God had given Adam responsibility over Eve. And I guess one of the things that I wonder is, is I guess in my mind I would say that until Adam and Eve were actually kicked out of the garden and things were no longer provided for them, but now Adam had a responsibility. I don't think he ever really understood the depth of it. Because everything was provided for them. He didn't have to take any real effort. I mean, maybe he pulled something from a tree and gave it to her or something like that. But he never had to sweat for it or anything like that. So I wonder if Adam ever thought about having options. You know, what if when he got kicked out of the garden, he and, and Eve get booted out of the garden. And here they are walking in their, in their, in their clothes that God made them. And 
And it's like, yep, you're out of here, and now you're going to have to, you know, plant seeds. You're going to have to do all these things. I wonder if Adam, if it even came into his mind that he was angry with Eve. You know, maybe not right at the beginning, because he was probably relatively ignorant. But I wonder if, like, that first time when he was using whatever tool or implement it was to have to break this hard ground, did he have shoes? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe he's stepping on thorns as he's doing it, or rocks that have sharp edges and all that and he's breaking the ground and i wonder if he was ever tempted to be angry with eve you know she caused this she caused me to do this i wonder if he ever considered that he had options i mean because the reality is is like he had options right we can we can run down the line that well if adam just left eve alone once they were kicked out of the garden and she died then mankind would end at that point but the reality is is he had that choice right he had that choice he could have just walked away, provided for himself, let nature take its course with Eve, and, and you know everything after that would have been frustrated. And we can say, oh, that would have never happened. But it was a reality, right? Adam could have done it. You know, it wasn't until he, he all of a sudden recognized the weight of responsibility that he really had to choose whether or not he wanted to step up and be a man. You know, they were evicted from the garden, and Adam had choices. He chose to take up the mantle, the responsibility of manhood, and provide. Provide for his wife, provide for children from then on. And uh, Adam lived a long time, a lot of years to be out breaking the hard ground and stepping on thorns and all that stuff. And, you know, probably raising flocks and, and things like that. Having to get up early and finding lost animals and storms and all that sort of stuff. He was willing to step up and take that responsibility. And you can disagree with me if you want. The way I look at it is he didn't have to do it. He didn't have to, but but he did. Further reading in Genesis, you know, there was some sort of institution of sacrifice or offering to God that was that was begun and, and which shows me that there was some sort of communication and some sort of teaching that Adam did for his children. You know, so he took up these responsibilities. We see this example from the beginning that he took took care of his wife. He took care of her needs. And then he took care of his children's needs, not only a physical needs, of providing for them food and things like that. And you look at, all right, we see Cain and Abel. We see that they were both taking up responsibility. They both had, had uh, an understanding of how to, how to raise animals and raise crops and all that. You know, they weren't just coddled to. They had a job they were given. They were shown. They were taught how to do it. And Adam also taught them and showed them that, hey, there is a responsibility for you to give offerings to God and all that. Here, Adam began. And even though he made mistakes in the beginning, he chose to take up responsibility as a man. And he began to show and to teach and to lead to be the man that God wanted him to be. Why, why would we consider manhood to be a burden? Uh, you know, the reality of it is because it's hard. I mean, that's what a burden is, right? A burden is something, if you break it down to what, what it really means, something that's heavy. You know, at, at youth camp, we have a man class, and I really love the man class. That's really the, the, the reason why I wanted to do and why I want to continue these podcasts to encourage you men year round. And not that I am the pinnacle of manhood or have all the best things, but man, we've, we've just got to keep encouraging each other. Why do we need to encourage each other? Because being a man is hard. It is hard. At camp, we emphasize the burden of manhood by, we, we, it was a couple years ago, and, and I just really felt like, you know, we need a way, we need an object lesson here. We need an object lesson. So we went and we, we searched around the campgrounds, and we found this uh, big piece of granite 
at kind of about the shape of a parking block, maybe three, four foot long. I don't know how much it weighed, 70, 80 pounds, maybe a little bit more. And so what did we do? We, we carried it around everywhere we went. We took turns. There was maybe six of us in that class, including the two of us who were teaching, three of us who were teaching it. Maybe it was more than six. Maybe there was about eight of us. And we started carrying it around. Sometimes we carried it by ourselves. Sometimes we shared it. The object of it was, what we wanted them to, to realize was, is, you know, when you're carrying around this thing, you have, to, you have to figure out how to carry it. At first, it's heavy. But over time, it gets easier. You get stronger, just like any working out. And you also understand the best way to carry it. You know, that, that's the thing is, is, is being a man, you understand, you know, at, at first, it's difficult. Especially if your first dive into manhood is when you become married, right? That's hard. If you're working at it and learning it through your youth, maybe it's a little bit easier. The reality is it's always going to be a burden, but you get stronger and you understand the best way to carry it. And the other thing is there are people who, who are there to help you, help you carry it. There are men who are willing to help you with the struggles of being a man, to encourage you how to address problems in your life, how to help you to address problems that might be within your marriage. This is what being a man is. You know, it's one of the other things, one of the other reasons why we carried around that big old piece of stone was because we wanted to emphasize the fact that you know we willingly picked it up every time and uh you know we're only in youth camp for a week and so it's not like uh we're talking a lengthy thing but you know you get tired of carrying weight sometimes you get tired of doing it i was just in this process not too long ago for a fire department two-day practical process and i'm here to tell you for my years on a swat team all the swat schools i went to and the police academy all those things i have not been through such a difficult process it was just it was hard physically hard and it was made to be physically hard on purpose they wanted to see how you would react getting close to the end of the second day when you know there's only a couple hours left and so you know that we're done today there's three hours left. You can only imagine what the last three hours are going to be because they've beaten you down for two days. You know what's going to happen. You may not know everything they're going to tell you to do, but you can understand uh, you are already tired. They're going to make me do things that are heavy, that are exhausting. It's going to be high cardio, all that sort of stuff. All right? And then they're like, all right, get in your turnouts. Uh, the turnouts are the, are, is the, the equipment, the clothing right, that firemen wear when they go into fires. Um, they're made to be able to withstand extreme temperatures. So you can imagine they're heavy. They do not breathe. You're already tired. Put on these heavy boots. You have on these heavy pants this big heavy jacket that's clipped up tight. It doesn't breathe. There's no moisture wicking, right? <laughs> Even if the wind's blowing it, it's not getting there to your core. Throw on a hood, a helmet, strap it on, put on gloves. All right, and now go run up and down these stairs. For, I mean, I'm here to tell you, I was like, oh my goodness, I do not want to do this. I'm so tired. I'm exhausted. I, you know, I just don't feel like it, but I had to make this choice to pick up that weight. And that's really what being a man is, right? We're exhausted sometimes. Sometimes, I, you know, I get home and I don't want to have to address the spiritual struggle that's going on in, in my family. Or, you know, as a minister, somebody calls me and says, I hear I'm struggling with this. I really need to talk. And in my heart, I'm like, I just don't have anything left. Someone calls you in the middle of the night and they need you to come and help them. You know, you got to get up early in the morning, or you just got to bed, or whatever it is. It's a burden. It's a burden, and you have to be willing to pick it up every time. Kind of like that scripture back there in Second Samuel. We, we behave ourselves valiantly. 
we be strong as men, and the Lord will do that which seems good to Him. He helps us, and He strengthens us in those things. He gives us the strength to carry the weight of manhood, but we have to be willing to pick it up. Be willing to pick it up. Be willing to pick up the burden, no, the privilege of being a man. And it's hard, and, and I haven't figured it all out yet. But I'm here to tell you that I'm honored, and, I, and I'm humbled by the fact that God saw fit to give me a piece of responsibility here in this life. My wife of 13 years, my children, ages 11, 9, 6, and 4, all sorts of young men who the Lord has put in my life, who I have friendships with, and I, and I enjoy being around other men, uh, husbands, and, 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 and men in the church, and friends that I've worked with, and all that, that I have, I have a piece of their life that I have some responsibility for. And it's a privilege. It's a privilege. And I would tear off my shirt and go to battle right now for any one of them. Because that's what God has called me to do. It's a privilege to be given responsibility. It's a privilege to have others depend on you. It's a privilege to be influential in other people's lives. Look at it with a recognition of its weight. There's weight to it. But don't turn it down because there's challenges that are inherent in it. Arise from the dust and be men.